previously unjust to bet outside. Hey, is it time for overreactions yet? Well, my phone rang and I said, hey man, what's up dude? What are you doing? He goes, ah, oh, just kicking your ass. It's not good when the two people you talk about all offseason that are untouchable for trades go for negative 6.5. <laughs> that, that's, that's racist. Last year, Justin Turner sucked. For me, at least. Um, yes, he is, because everybody's hurt. <laughs> Everybody. I drink your milkshake. Name that movie. I want to be a member of the Nuts. My team sucks. Just a bit outside. There it is. Oh, man. Three is in the books. Welcome into this all-new episode, Just a Bit Outside. I'm Travis Higgins. Justin Daring will be joining me alongside this wonderful excursion. This podcast now grown to 50 cents and anchor.fm advertising yes we are a growing podcast with a estimated audience of 15 justin welcome into the show my friend so that's the first time i've heard that open and i believe we have an instant classic and everything that was said in that open including when i said that's racist everything that was said was absolutely 100 percent true especially yeah. <laughs> the point about my team sucking well, I believe overreactions continue as Ugh. three weeks are in the books. A 0-3 Los Tigres, a 1-2 and Aikens Army. Uh, I believe we are drowning in our own sorrows early in the 2019 campaign. It sure makes uh, producing a podcast and the urgency to get all the up-to-date stats out to the 10 other guys that listen to this, or 14 because we're such a huge audience now, um, it really takes that urgency to really get the microphone and the mixer out and get to going because, you know, usually we spend most of our time just, for lack of better terminology, talking shit about the other teams. But when your team's the shitty one, you can't really talk shit anymore. <laughs> you, you said it three times. Now I'm going to have to hit the explicit tag on this episode of Just a Bit Outside. Well, shit. <laughs> There we go. Week three is shaping up to be a good one. Welcome in, everyone, wherever you are. However, you're listening to the growing Anchor.fm podcast. Welcome in the Just a Bit Outside. Let's get to our first pitch. For any pitcher, it takes countless strikes to cement a legend. But what if I told you that for one man, all it took was a single pitch. In my opinion, throwing out a first pitch is just a bad idea. If it goes well, nobody cares. But if it goes badly, it's something that can haunt you for the rest of your life. First pitch this week, I do want to stop down uh, and I do want to say thank you. I think when we came up with the idea of the first pitch, it was not supposed to be some inspirational or... um, (laughs) emotional moment of the show but two out of three it looks like we're heading down that route um i will say the last week has been absolutely horrible i will say that i appreciated chris and blake stepping in but more importantly i appreciated that every owner in this league reached out at some point over the last week just to see how i was doing uh with the loss of my dad 
I will tell you that the rumors are true that yes, on Friday night, my dad passed early Saturday morning, but yes, on Friday night in very Jerry Deering form, I was negotiating a trade while sitting in the room with him at his facility. (laughs) Um, I do. I did ask Travis if that was in poor taste and Travis responded with, I simply think your dad would enjoy talking baseball with you. And it's true. Uh, it is Monday. It is the, I guess, the 16th of April. We will be burying my father tomorrow in an amazing military, um, full military ceremony at the National Cemetery here in Dallas. But I just wanted to take the first pitch to tell you guys thank you. And I appreciate the love and the prayers and everything I've had this week. So in very just a bit outside fashion, I think it's time to hit the big story and get on with this nonsense nonsense it is the first in is this the first in second in season trade i believe of 2019 but the big one big names involved in this one as week three was coming to a close and it involves los tigers so we'll get justin's reaction here in just a moment and want to hear if this is complete overreaction from the owner of Los Tigres, but here we go. Chris Sale being the corner piece of this trade. Chris Sale is no longer a part of the Los Tigres family. He now joins the newly renamed Ebony and Ivory pitching for Zach's ball club. Also in heading toward uh, heading to uh, no, that's the big one in the Ebony and Ivory. And then heading back to Los Tigres, what I should have said, Joey Bart's, uh, Joey Bart, excuse me, catching prospect out of San Francisco, Xander Bogarts, and Steven Matt. So, Justin, is this a complete and utter overreaction of a 0 and 3 start for the Los Tigres? Uh, on paper, I think everybody in the league will probably say yes, but um, I think if you look back at the Chris Sale we've been looking at since the injury at midseason last year, there has been a decline in production, there has been a decline in velocity, and there has been a decline in fantasy points uh, <laughs> through three okay. weeks my ace, as I air quote it, had eight total points through three starts. And I knew, and I i mean, we can go back through the archives of just a bit outside. I said that when I made this trade last year, that this contract would not be worth 18.5 in the last year or two of the contract. Um, do I think he's still worth 18.5 this year? Absolutely. I, I don't think Chris Sale is done. Do I hope Chris Sale is done and this is what he is this year? Again, absolutely, uh, because he won't be doing it for me. No offense to Zach, but me and Zach had a lot of conversations about this trade leading into when it went down, and it really simply came down to I'm starting off 0-3. I'm 300 points back from the leader in my standings. Uh, Zach is right up there at the top of our standings, right below Chris, and I think even Zach, the way Zach worded it in our our train, our little talk that we had going on the text message was you got to swing. You got to take the swing. It's a, that's the whole point of playing this game. He had to go out and get a big name to try to compete with Chris. And it's either going to pay off greatly for him 
or it's going to pay off greatly for me because Chris Sale will not be the Chris Sale we think he is. Getting Joey Bart back, getting Xander Bogarts back, both of those long-term controllable people. And then Steven Matz has had a good start to the year with a couple of 15-point starts. Um, I just saw an opportunity to get younger, but not really where I was currently sitting. I don't know that I could get much worse. So why not just throw it out there and see what happens? And I got $18.5 off my salary for the next three years. Granted, it is a huge pitcher who usually is a top five, but maybe I overreacted a little bit. Well, it, it, and it's like any trade, right? Uh, this this time will tell if you overreacted or if this turns out to be a good thing for Los Tigres or a very good thing for Ebony and Ivory as we sit at the end of week three, heading into a week four, uh, your top Five fantasy point pitchers, Kirby Yates, Blake Snell, Garrett Cole, and Jose Barrios. Uh, One, two, three, four. Yep, those are your top five. Um, There's going to be a leveling out of the early season, um, you know, uh, extremes, whether they're good or bad. And, And one of the reasons, you know, just from an outside perspective, I like Chris Sale, uh, because I think he's going to level out over the next 19 weeks. So I think Ebony and Ivory uh, come out very much in a 2019 perspective out on top on a trade like this. Uh, I think especially when you consider those $18.5 are still being paid by Los Tigres here, that the Chris Sale gamble or the buy low gamble, and from Zach's perspective, is a big one, yes, but one that has potential of leveling itself out. Maybe Chris Sale is not top five in 19 weeks, but if Chris Sale is decent, uh, this is uh, this is a potentially uh, season-altering ebony and ivory season-altering trade for them. Well, I'm also let's look at this. You just listed those top five. Obviously, Kirby Yates is not going to end sure. in the top five overall and that's pitchers. The, that's the leveling out. You're right. Blake Snell at 72. So basically what you're saying is I, I agree. He's not going to end. There's, I don't think there's a way Chris sale ends in the top five based on a 8.3 start beginning. There are stories out there. I mean, you can click on his name sure. here on fan tracks and look back at the news and see that in fan tracks, it said that the, the Red Sox were going to go a minimum of seven-day rest for him for the foreseeable future. But if you did a little digging outside of fan tracks and into other sites, you could see that that is a plan for possibly two months. So there goes your two-week starts with Chris Sale. That goes one one start a week minimum or maximum, pretty much if they keep that up for two months, depending on his arm. I just feel with the velocity going from 94 and a half before the injury to 92 after the injury to 88, the last two starts, something's wrong there. And like, I'm not, I, I am in no way trying to sound defensive if I am, because, um, I am glad that there was a way that I could move that contract because if I waited two more weeks and he, crap the bed for two weeks i'm stuck with him for four years or three years at this point yes i am paying for him this year but i'm paying for him because zach couldn't get it under his cap because he had a full cap of 25 players like we talked about at the beginning of the year and the long run is if joey bart comes out to be who bart claims he everybody claims he is 
that's my next catcher for the next five years. And it's on a rookie contract. And as soon as I'm done extending JT Rilamuto, I'm going to drop in the next big catcher air quotes again. But Travis, I do want, I uh, want to give you an opportunity if you have anything else to say about this trade, but I do want to take a couple seconds to look at some trades that have already gone down in the league and just kind of get your opinion on how those turned out. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to say about Chris Sale? Nope. Let's do it. All right, so let's just roll down through because we had so we had quite a few trades in the preseason that we talked about that included Andrew Benatendi, Matt Olson, Glaber Torres, some of those big names. And I openly admit I was involved in a lot of them because that's what I do. Um, but let's go to a a trade between Colby and Blake that happened on March third, uh, where Blake was sent Tommy Pham. And Colby was sent rookie sensation Pete Alonzo. Yes. On paper, if I if, no, I, and here's where I'm going to defend Blake. If you go and look at this, if I just said those two names, your response there of yes, like obviously you believe that Blake lost that trade immediately. Yes, I yes I do. Pete, <laughs> have you looked at and and again we're talking 2019. We're talking right now. Uh, Tommy Pham is actually kind of ripping the cover off the ball. Surprisingly, a very quiet 54 points on the season. Now, granted, if you look at long term, you look at five years out. Well, Colby probably has his first baseman for the next five years, but. This game of trades, and you said it already, is 2019 versus long run. I think we can go and look around at some of these trades, including the Whit Merrifield trade, including the Mitch Hanniger for Jesus Lazardo trade that between me and Blake. There will be a winner in 2019, and it may not. The long play is going to – that's the fun thing about this league is the long play is there. Who knows if two years from now we're sitting here saying, hey, remember when Chris Sale was traded two years ago? Or remember when Blake Ga- – Gave up Jesus Lazardo for Mitch Hanniger, and now Jesus Lazardo is the new Clayton Kershaw. That's just, I just love, that's what I love about this league is that even though it's 2019 and people are, I mean, I immediately got text messages telling me I was an idiot <laughs> after the Chris Sale trade, but let's let it play out a little bit. Let's let it see what happens. I mean, I can't get worse than 0 3. I mean, I could go 0 4, which is probable um, if you're putting money on it, but that. I just, I just, I just, I love baseball. Yeah, so I don't know where I was going. I lost steam. Well, that's all right. Let me, let me come back to where you started with Tommy Pham for Pete Alonzo and Pete Alonzo's rookie three-year rookie contract was activated this week by Colby and beards of glory. Fernando Tatis jr. On the up, on the like side from Blake was censored by the commission rookies contract was activated, but the fam and Alonzo trade. Sure. Uh, you know, Every trade is a gamble. Very rarely do you get the, okay, those just even out. You know, some, sometimes they play out, but obviously owners are looking at different things. And so, yes, I'll defend Blake on the Fam Alonzo trade from March 3rd in the sense that Blake was looking for outfield help. Um, at the same time, I don't think he would have needed that help had he not traded Andrew. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, if he hadn't traded. Uh, what was that trade earlier? Yeah, the Mitch Hanniger trade. Thank you very much uh, from a few days earlier. But he gets fam. But even from a 2019 perspective, Pete Alonzo is still 20, 25 points up on Tommy Fam. And so the contract's better. The player's better. The points are better. 
uh, all around the early verdict on that particular trade is Pete Alonso is the better player and especially is long term. Now, you said a few moments ago how you are involved in most of these trades. Absolutely true. March 12th, Tigris Ruckus. March 16th, Tigris Van Buren Boys. March 18th, Tigris and Beards of Glory. April 13th, the Chris Sale trade, Tigris, Ebony, and Ivory. And then the most recent trade that took place today, Tigris and Beards of Glory. Andrew McCutcheon heads to Colby's team. You grab Colin McHugh. Uh, Justin, just just in general, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's half joking, but it's also very uh, curious just from a baseball perspective. Is there over? Is there a general overreaction to the early zero and three start? I, I think that. I think on paper, when the season started, I was it, I was okay with where I sat uh, with my offense and my defense. There have been or offense and my pitching. Sorry, there have been some injuries that have gone down that have shaken up the offense a little bit. Is there an overreaction? I think, again, if you polled everybody in this league, nine people would say yes, and one person would say no, and that one person would probably be me. But I don't even know that I'd say no at this point. Um, I will say that when you're not winning, it can uh, be a beating pretty quick, and you can get kind of not bored, but kind of frustrated. And, I mean, I think after that first week, I was ra- I told you I was ready to tr- uh, trade Chris Sell immediately because I didn't think he was worth it anymore. And you said, give it time. So I gave it two more weeks, and he still sucked. <laughs> Um, and here's the deal. I'm just gonna, I mean, I'll, everybody's like, it's three weeks in. You can come back, look at land from last year. I get that. I get yeah. you can come back, you can, you can make the playoffs, but I'm just gonna go ahead and, you know, spoiler alert on what's coming up in a later conversation we're gonna have. Go look at the standings and see how it looks on our side. Go look at the standings on, uh, on on my my division over in the Rick Vaughn div- no you're the Rick Vaughn the Pedro Serrano division and see how many points back because I have a gut feeling that yeah the Tigers are not going to go zero and twenty two sure just like I'm not quite sure the six shooters are going to go one and one and two or whatever that comes out to in twenty two weeks six shooters are going to climb the points are th- like points for I am a legit. 110 points back of everybody in the league. And again, you can say it's early, but who is catching up to the Wichita White Wolves who after three weeks are almost at a thousand points? I have to make a play to shake things up. Just like Zach said, you've got a swing to hit. Might as well make a shot and see what happens. If it fails miserably, it fails miserably. But you know what? It failed miserably and opened up a lot of, of a lot of money for the next couple of years. Because again, 2020, if they all come out, minus Mookie bets that you're going to extend for $24, we're going to have a great offseason. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I love that you just continue to push that storyline. Um, 2020, hashtag 2020, it's coming. Listen, uh, y- I am in no way – last 10 trades, Los Tigres have been involved in nine of them. Look, you make the league interesting. You not willing to stand pat makes the league better. You're an active owner and all of our owners, and that's what the great parody. As you brought up, the current standings show the parody of Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. Yes, we have a clear number one team in the league, but even as you look through – uh, two through 10, 
if you want to kind of look at it this way, from the overall standings of the early 2019 campaign, yeah, the records you know go from two to one to zero and three, but there is not a clear cut. You know, you can predict who's going to be there 19 weeks from now based off of of these three weeks. You can't tell that one through ten, but there certainly seems to be with a 200, 300 plus uh, kind of out front charge which the White Wolves have right now, this league is very much bunched up together, right? That this league has these owners that are that are active, involved, looking and wheeling and dealing and and at, and if you haven't noticed the the waiver wire pickups that are fairly constant throughout the week in the early going of the season as every owner is looking to fill holes, find the hot guys, all those different things. And so, um, you know, all that plays into this and it also shows the parody, but it also shows just how fun this can be and is currently Harry Dole fantasy baseball. Well, I will say you said um, nine out of the 10 trades, Los Tigers have been involved. Let's also remember in the offseason, Los Tigers was coming in with 11 people on their team and not a ton of money to spend on the other 14 they needed. So things had to be done to pull in multiple players. So Ben Attendee going, but getting Matt Olson and Andahar or whoever, or Glaber Torres back was a trade that needed to be made for that extra spot. Now, granted, Matt Olson went and broke his damn hand and isn't going to play for a while, but that trade off, Ben Attendee's injured. Land's not getting points from him right now because of the injury. So, I mean, there was moves that had to be made to add multiple pieces because let's be real, you're feeling it too after this season. You know, you've you've made it known that you went all in this season because your window was shutting. And now you're going to immediately reopen it next year in free agency as best you can with the money you have. But that's no guarantee that those people are going to pan out because I think if you looked at your offense at the beginning of the season, I don't know that you'd sit here and say, man, I'm going to be one and two and 300 points back of the highest point score in the league. Um, I just feel that a lot of those trades that made preseason had to be made to make room to go get Charlie Blackman and to go get you know, be able to pay $15 for Charlie Blackman, who by the way, sucks right now. Um, like the rest of my team, I'm, I'm pissy yes. tonight. If you can't tell, I've been sitting in a school board <laughs> meeting for about four and a half hours, but, um, I just, this is, this is a first, the first, this is a first for me being like this, that year that I came in dead last in our division, it was obviously cause I gave Dustin Ackley a five-year contract. And yes. who's that? You may ask, go look it up. He played baseball. He played baseball once. Not um, even for the five years. But this is a new thing because, yeah, I felt and I traded him away and someone took him. That's the best part. Someone in this league took (laughs) Dustin Ackley's contract off the books for me in a trade. So obviously I'm good at negotiating, even though it may not pay off for me. But this is a new thing for for me, just kind of like we talked about land last year. Starting off whatever it was, 0-4, 0-5, that was new territory for land. And, you know, maybe I'm follow his blueprint and not just sit here and try to stack up prospects and I'm I mean even at 0 and 3 the Tigers are still very active and still very much trying to get into the playoffs but getting rid of Chris Sale in the long run made us in my opinion a better team for the future up your butt Joe Boo you there 
I'm here. The rest of week one, uh, sorry, week <laughs> three shakes out like this. Van Buren boys topple Aiken's Army 230 to 196. Bolding Beavers take down Los Tigers 258 to 188. Ebony and Ivory find their second win of 2019 over Blake censored by the commission 282 to 229. Royal Ruckus falls to the surprising... Beards of Glory, 281 to 259. Interesting game uh, that we can look at here in just a moment. And Wichita White Wolves, 361, defeat a high-scoring six shooters, but not enough against the Wolves, 361 to 282. Justin, let's start with that Royal Ruckus Beards of Glory game. And just um, this was a game that uh, was very close all week and, Colby's beards of glory come out on top with the, you know, let's take wolves out of this 281 uh, just shy of 282 is, is one of the high marks of the week, just shy of that 282 marker. And Colby's team played incredibly well. Great pitching came out of this and a stellar offensive performance came uh, as well with guys like Segura uh, and D Gordon. Uh, coming through Eddie Rosario and even a, a, some contributions from the big names like Freddie Freeman and Javier Baez. Yeah, well, I think uh, obviously the devastating news for Royal Ruckus this week was Clevenger going down for however 60-day yep. DL they just put him on. So that's, I mean, he's shut down for a while. And then, I mean, 44 points from Jose Altuve, 32 points from Mondesi, 20 points from Michael Brantley. You're sitting there thinking, that's a ruckus. I mean, I didn't even mention Mike Trout. Mike Trout only got five points last week. He didn't play the Rangers last and week. He was out He was um, out a good chunk he, uh, of the week with injury. So, Right. So, But if you're carrying 44 from the, uh, 44 from Altuve, 32 from, uh, from Mondesi, you're thinking, okay, I'm doing pretty good. But that zero, that goose egg from Clevenger, and then um, – just kind of Mike Trout being out, things like that. You roll over to Colby's side and you go down this offense. I think we've talked about like the Kiki, the Kike Hernandez and the Eddie Rosario. Some of these names may not be names you really recognize to put up massive points, but again, no one had just this outstanding stellar week outside of Justin Verlander who had 33 and a half on two starts, but across the board outside of Steven Strasburg at negative two, it was a, productive week for every player on his team except for Travis Shaw and Strasburg and that just added up to 157 points three points shy of ruckus on the offense and then the pitching at 123 just that yeah, was the that difference that beards in this of glory game. pitching if it can give you if can give Colby weeks like this the beards of glory is going to be uh, right there at the top of that Rick Vaughn division moving Ford Ebony and Ivory take down censored by the commish uh, two and one for both of these ball clubs in 2019. And, you know, across the board, um, decent pitching performances from both staffs. But here, the clear difference is the Ebony and Ivory offense of week three, just a just about a 70 point difference. Uh, and this one, and it all comes from the Ebony and Ivory offense. Ronald Acuna Jr., 43.5. Michael Conforto, 
30 points, basically. Paul DeJong, 30 points. I mean, that right there gets you, what, 103 points. And, I mean, some of these people that are contributing on this team are some of the waiver wire people he picked up. And while Ryan Healy at 10 points is not what he's done the first two weeks of the season, um, again, 10 points from a waiver player who, before the season, I'm not sure a ton of us were like, go out and get Ryan Healy. Um, It's just contributions, contributions. Jordan Zimmerman, he'd probably like a better than negative 0.8, but now he's got Chris Sale to go there to get him three points a game. Um, so that'll that's a two-point upgrade on what he had last week because I hate Chris Sale. But I, the offense of Ebony and Ivory, I don't know if – I mean, I think you'll, the names that you hear, you know, the Yelich, Acuna Jr., some of those names are going to continually put up points and just be who they are. But if he's going to continue to win, those waiver guys are going to have to continue to be productive. They do not have to be superstars, but they do have to continue to put up a fair number of points to fill in some of those holes that may be there. Wolves and six shooters. If you're Brady's team, you could have played seven other teams this week and have won this. Three teams right around that 282 marker. But unfortunately, you played the high water mark of week three. And three weeks in a row, he's put it up, uh, the highest watermark of the Wichita White Wolves. Uh, Really, this is not a game that you can nitpick in a lot of different ways. We have just seen now, yet again, Wichita White Wolves with not just a stellar offensive performance, but a stellar pitching performance with guys like Ross Stripling, Roberto Asuna from the relief side of things. Oh, yeah, by the way, Kirby Yates, one of the – uh, under-the-radar signings of Wichita White Wolves, all three relief pitchers, 25, 34, 37 individually. That does not include the starters with Blake Snell, Herman Marquez, Jacob deGrom coming in. You know, Carlos Carrasco's even negative eight points don't even make a dent here. Really, a good week for Brady's six shooters. When you look at that team, uh, it's just he played the Wolves. I'll say one thing, that Jerickson Profar contract that you bid whenever we were ownerless does not look too bad now. Um, who would have thought that this this many years later we'd be saying that? Because I do remember that when that happened, a lot of us were like, um, are we sure? Because he was not going to be like, – that that's, one, that's one that I wouldn't mind having. Uh, can you – because I've been busy for the last week. Can Why did Chris Archer get suspended? Oh, there was balls thrown, people leaving benches. It was one of those – they're going to fight, but they were really never, ever uh, going to fight kind of deals. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. I just saw that. That's the first time I've seen a yellow flag, and I was like, what's that mean? And suspended. So I've been a little busy and sidetracked, so I did not know. Um, but, yeah, this, I mean, this is this is a game. I mean, I think this, this, unfortunately, for a lot of teams, I remember last year there was times where Chris would go up against – whether it was the Tigras or other teams, and they would have an outrageous week, and Chris would have a great week, and Chris would lose, and it would frustrate the hell out of him. I think Brady's feeling that right now for probably the first time in this league where he put together basically the second highest score. Only team that would have beat him is Ebony and Ivory, like you said, and they would have beaten him by point three. but he goes up against Wichita White Wolves, who yet again goes over 300 points, and uh, it's just just a tough matchup there for Brady and his team. I bet he's ready for um, 
you know, Stanton to come back into the lineup and start getting some at bats, start hitting some home runs and bolding beavers find their second win of 2019 against Los Tigres here, Justin, uh, you know, let's just kind of look at the bolding beaver side of things really here. Um, you know, there's, uh, the pitching, uh, the pitching was the difference here. Uh, Garrett, uh, Jarrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner lead the way even from low weeks from Aaron Nola, but uh, Ryan Presley from the relief side helps. Uh, you know, this was a good pitching uh, week for Bolting Beavers. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, last year we talked about how the pitching staff was suspect, and this year he has added to that pitching staff by adding Jarrett Cole last year and holding on to Madison Bumgarner. And then, uh, you know, his homegrown Aaron Nola may not have had a big week, but he's, you know, doing what Aaron Nola does for the most part. I think he's probably a little lower than he was this time last year. Um, but he's got to wonder about that offense. And again, I mean, he won the game outright by 70 points, but Jose Ramirez, there's a lot of buzz around what's going on with Jose Ramirez because, of what what exactly is he last year everything lined up perfectly for him to be a top five player but this year he's not looking the same out of the beginning injury to andrew benatendi um i mean obviously a quality win for him this week up against milos tigres and the week that was uh, uh the story <laughs> of joey gallo 13 at bats eight 13 at bats eight strikeouts after putting up 30 some odd points the week before he goes for negative four but i think um if Bolding, there's a couple moves that Bolding Beavers may be looking to make to add some pop on that offense. And I, I think with the pitching staff doing what they're doing, if he can get, you know, Jose Ramirez to be Jose Ramirez of last year, get Ben Attendee back from an injury if that is a prolonged injury, and then maybe add one or two pieces in that offense that can put some points up. I mean, there's, I mean, I'm not saying that he would catch Wichita White Wolves 300 point spot lead we've given him in the first three weeks but Bolding Beavers could be scary if that offense yep. starts clicking all Van Buren all boys defeat Aikens Army in week three our final game to recap uh, and really this is just a story of, of two subpar pitching performances that were coupled by a really bad offensive week from Aikens Army fun fact uh, this is the furthest into any of our eight Harry Dole fantasy baseball seasons that Aiken's Army has been under 500. Well, congratulations. Um, I'm proud of you for <laughs> finally feeling what it feels like to be the rest of us. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's the deal. I would have given just about anything to have the subpar pitching yeah. that y'all had this <laughs> week. Let's just, just a quick reminder. 45 points on five starts last week for the, the Los Tigres. But in this matchup, again, it was it's it's kind of the tale of what we've said with your team all along is that you're going to lean heavily on the offense. And if the offense doesn't show up, the pitching staff may not be strong enough to carry it. And for the Van Buren boys, a you know a big week from Marcelo Zuna, who they picked up in a trade from the freaking Tigres. <laughs> and Josh Bell having a great week um, kind yep. of made up for maybe a lower than expected uh, pitching staff. Patrick Corbin looked good in one start. Josh James at negative seven. Obviously, that's not what you want. But for the most part, the pitchers did average. 
minus the Josh James, the Josh James approach. And, you know, when you get 3.5 from Chapman and Lucchese combined, plus add another five points from Kyle Freeman, you're, you're looking a lot like that Tigers rotation. And uh, it's not a good, it's All not right, a good week thing. three. It's in the books and we're going to preview week four here in just a moment. But as you know, this is an anchor.fm podcast and listen, we're 50 cents in deep with these people and we have to give them their sponsored break. This is just a bit outside. Justin, let's play a little rank them. I want you to rank them. Rank. I'll give you different I'll give you different scenarios and I want okay. you to take three different players or teams and I want you to put them in order. This will be Bible to us all. We know your word is as good as anyone's in Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. So let's start here. In order, uh, rank these players in order of most points at the end of the 2019 season. Rank these players in most points at the end of the season. Blake Snell, Chris Davis, and Ronald Acuna Jr., that's great. Are we doing Chris, Chris Davis, Davis with a K or a C? With a K, yes. <laughs> Home run leader, Chris Davis. Oh. Uh, okay, I would say you're probably looking at Blake Snell leading that. Um, Ronald it was Chris Acuna Davis, and who was the Jr. third one? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I think it's probably going to go Snell, Acuna, Davis. I think, it, I think Acuna has almost a uh, – I, I would almost put him – Odds on favorite for the MVP in the National League this year. Him and Christian Yelich, unfortunately, are on the same team in our league, but I think that's going to be a heck of a battle. I think Acuna will get his first MVP this year, therefore falling just Rank behind him, Blake Justin, Snell. Justin, in, in order points. of most home runs at the end of the 2019 season, Chris Davis currently with 10, Cody Bellinger currently has nine and down on the list so far. Mike Trout with five. Rank those three in order of most home runs. I think you've already done that for me. It'd be Davis and then um, Bellinger and then Trout. Because um, oh, wow. I don't trust Half Trout to play enough games man to keep can't up play with enough everybody. games to be. And, uh, think if he played all the games. <laughs> if he played all the games, how many billions of dollars would he have? That's true. You got to take that into consideration in 2020 when wow. we're signing those guys. Okay. So rank them, Justin. Let's do this one. Uh, rank these players in order of most saves by the season's end. And our major league saves leader, Kirby Yates, has nine currently. Roberto Osuna, seven currently. And by the way, both those guys are owned by Doc Hill and Josh Hader has five saves as we sit three weeks into this season, but rank those three with most saves. Um, actually, uh, Shane Green has eight saves, so the top three would yeah, be Kirby Yates, Shane are, Green, and Roberto Ozuna. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you. Oh, my bad. I thought you got gotcha, you got gotcha, you got gotcha, you, dog. My bad. Um. 
oh, this is a tough one because I don't think I think Josh Hader's in third. I don't think Hader holds the close, and in my opinion, I'm okay with that as him being a member of the Tigers because that gives him more innings pitched to strike folks out. So I think coming in third would be Josh Hader, and then I just Kirby Yates at number two and Roberto Azuna at number one because I just feel like the Astros are going to win a lot more games than the Padres. Yep, absolutely, two more, more here. Justin, for rank them in order of the most. Total team points. This is not wins and losses, but most total team points at season's end. And these are the current top three teams by points so far, which tell White Wolves, Royal Ruckus, six shooters. That's crazy that two of the three of those are under 500 also. That's interesting. I think uh, Wichita White Wolves outright by 40,000 points by the end of the season. And then uh, after that would probably be a fully healthy six shooters. And then Royal Ruckus would be coming in third solely due because I don't trust Mike Trout to play enough games to score already. And finally rank them, Justin in order of the player who players most likely to be traded. Jarrett Cole, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper. Traded. Yeah. Are yep. we talking traded in our in We're our league? Obviously, the Phillies aren't trading baseball. Bryce Harper. Uh I would say you're probably looking Is at that solely based Reese off the owner first. Jarrett Colt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're already in talks. <laughs> Where's the breaking Break. news? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> uh, no, he texted me earlier and said Reese Hoskins sucks, and I said I'll give you Dylan Bundy, and he said done. So we're that that deal's official. Um, but I cut Dylan Bundy earlier this week, so it doesn't matter. But I would say uh, most likely Reese Hoskins. Second most likely is uh, Jarrett Cole. And then I don't think you're taking your hand off your Harper until uh, the bitter end, oh, if at all. There it is. It's a fun little game called Rank'em. Week four is here. And yes, technically the week has started, but we're going to preview the games nonetheless. The big matchup, Aiken's Army visiting Beards of Glory, Rick Vaughn. Supremacy is on the lines here. Censored by the commish will visit the streaking Van Buren boys in week four. And maybe the game of the week, I'll ask your opinion in just a moment, Justin, but the friendly rivalry of childhood friends. Ebony and Ivory will take on Wichita White Wolves. Justin's Los Tigris will take on, this is teacher versus student here, Los Tigris and six shooters. And finally, in week four, Royal Ruckus and the Bolding Beavers. Justin, game of the week from your perspective. Uh, from my perspective, I am interested to see that childhood. Uh, and basically, again, we're doing this on Monday night, so we're already seeing kind of the early results on Monday. I'm interested to see if... Ebony and Ivory can hold on to this almost, you know, 25 point lead that they've built up on day one. Uh, if you look at it on paper, the stat, the starts are seven for Ebony and Ivory to six for Wichita White Wolves. One of those is already in the books, four innings in 
for for Chris, he's got 11 points from Trevor Bowers. So we'll see how that goes as the uh, the the game ends up. But a huge first day of the week yep. for one Christian Yelich. I don't know if you've seen his stat line tonight or not. Three for four with three home runs, seven That's RBIs. That's a great stat line for a week. That's through, that's yeah. through that's through eight, and he, and he has six so he more days to play. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I I, I think that one's going to be good, just because af, if we go back to through the archives, we have been told numerous times in this league that Mondays matter, and you have to if Mondays matter and point collecting on a Monday is important. Fifty four points on a Monday. Versus the top team in the league, as long as you have a lead out of Monday, you carry that lead every other day, you win, and doing 54 to 60 points, whatever this ends up with, because he's still got you know teams in extra innings, he's still got a couple games going on as it is, if Zach can get to 60 or 65 points in on Monday without a single start, that is a heck of a boost to start the week off. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the game of the week. I think the friendship uh, kind of puts uh, puts that more into perspective for me. But, you know, from the Wichita White Wolves side of things, you know, I want to see if Nolan Arenado can, can, can become Nolan Arenado here in 2019 because it seems like Arenado and the entire Rockies st- uh, team have not been the team – or the players anyone expected. There's been signs of life of Manny Machado playing better as the season progresses. Can Aaron Judge continue to carry any little bit of offense the New York Yankees have shown so far in 2019? Does Cody Bellinger continue to rake at an ungodly pace here in 2019? But most importantly, for the Wichita White Wolves, I I believe most importantly, is this pitching staff? Does Blake Snell continue to be the early on Cy Young favorite? Does the signing of Herman Marquez continue to pay off big time here early in 2019? Because if the Wolves, and this is weird to say, but if the Wolves are going to beat Ebony and Ivory, it's going to be because the pitching continues to be the, the dominant force you know, of the Harry Dole fantasy baseball. And as you mentioned early on in the week, Ebony Ivory's offense is killing it right behind there of Christian Yelich. Justin, not not your game, Los Tigres and six shooters, but any other game, give me your lock of the week. Who's the team that is going to win at the end of this week four? Uh, I believe you're going to see the Van Buren boys go up over censored by the commission solely to keep uh, it's a lock in mind mind is to keep Blake below 500. Like I predicted that he would not go above 500 again, the rest of the season. He reminded me that I said that, but then five seconds later picked him to beat the bolding beavers and week two, the last time I was on the podcast, I do think not just because of, you know, my my gentle jabs at Blake, but I do feel like the Van Buren boys in this matchup would and should come out on top. But I will tell you it, that that's probably my lock. But what I am interested in is, I mean, we're seeing Clayton Kershaw for the first time tonight. He's currently five innings into his 
his, uh, his, to his opening start of the season for your Aikens army, four hits, two earned runs, three K's He's given up one bomb, but if Clayton Kershaw starts showing up and playing oh, even as 80% please. of what Clayton Kershaw has been in the past, I, I know I know you're begging for that so that you don't have to make a trade for some pitcher somewhere, but I mean, eight points through five and your opening start when you're probably on a pitch count, I would think uh, you got to be okay with what you're seeing minus the home run. And I mean, no walks so far, so that's good, but um, he does. He does. I'm sure he's, he's got two starts two. this week for you. Does he not? So uh, I think we, if, if he makes it through this one, he gets that second start in this weekend. Uh, next Sunday, one thing I think we will be talking about is what Clayton Kershaw looked like through two I'm starts. I'm going out on a limb for, for my so-called lock-em pick of week four. Are you ready for this? The, the 0-3 Los Tigres will find their me. first it, victory of 2019. I think, to be quite honest and, and – I think this is the Los Tigers' best shot against the six shooters in 2019. There is no Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, there is uh, this this team with its pitching that maybe kind of tapered off, the six shooters pitching that tapered off a little bit at week three. I think Los Tigres uh, is poised to come together everything will start working a little bit. They'll come out victors in week four. and. Above all, I really don't think Justin wants to get those text messages from Brady uh, about how he beat you. So I think there's a little extra motivation inside that Los Tigers clubhouse right now. Uh, Good point. You act like Brady actually texts people back. You notice he doesn't text people back unless you say you found a douchier version of him in public. And then magically, he texts back in like 15 seconds. And by the way, that dude, if I could have gotten a straight-on picture of his face, that was frat boy douche Brady to the T. I wasn't even the one that noticed it. My wife was the one that noticed it. And my wife said, oh my God, that guy looks like a douchey version of Brady. Well, douchey Brady, good luck. I think you lose this week. Good luck to everyone in week four, 2019. Harry Doyle, fantasy baseball. For Justin Deering, I'm Travis Sakins. You've been listening to the growing podcast, the Anchor.fm presentation of Just a Bit Outside. So long, everybody. It's Quasimodo homeless now. <laughs> I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about that? I thought it was London Bridges. Is it still on fire? <laughs> the London Bridge is not on fire.